Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is for the week covering Friday, January 28th, 2022. Friday, January 28th, 2022, the week of. I am so excited for this week because I think this will be a history-making week. Bruce Perky, Bruce and the Infinite Two Perkies. Perkies, do you know why this will be a historic week for us? Do you have any idea? Can you I two- do. Um, yes. I've, what? I looked two minutes into the future and I already saw... Mm-hmm. How what, what you this show is going to be. Oh, so. Okay, okay. What, now are you going to go to to yourself in a mirror? Did you tape yourself? Did you go, are you going to look at yourself in the mirror and, and talk or a video and talk to yourself? Talk to yourself? How's that going to work? Eric, do, can you see Can you see two minutes into the future? I can. And and what is it showing you? Is it showing, is Bruce doing something or am I doing something? What's going on? Well, I can't tell you because that would create a time paradox. But a time, what is a let, time paradox? Let, let, really? let it be known. I can see two minutes into the future. You can see two minutes in the future. Oh, very good. What else can you see, Eric Holmes? You're gonna, you're, you're, you know what you're gonna do. You're gonna increase the gain on your mic just a smidgy little bit. I knew can you, you were tell us? Say that. Very good, very good. And I also, you're gonna say that. You no. know why? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can see two minutes into the future. Very, very good. Also, did you know that I was gonna mention the alcoholic plug of the week? What is your alcoholic plug? It's not sponsored. They don't sponsor us. But what do you have right? Oh, there, Eric Holmes is imbibing a Stella Artois. Stella Artois, Bruce Perky. Have you ever had a Stella Artois in your life? Never? Never, Bruce Perky? I have, have yeah. Yeah, classy. Is it a classy drink? I told I told Eric Holmes it's so classy, I wouldn't even call a Stella Artois a brew. I would just call it a drink. Do, would you call it a brew? Am I being too overcomplicated with Stella Artois? I believe they have I would uh, call it a Bruce. A you would Bruce. call it a Bruce? <laughs> you would call it a Bruce. There you go. Yes, Eric, what were you saying? I don't know. Bruce nailed it. <laughs> Bruce nailed it. The reason why we're talking about two minutes, okay? We're, there's, we're the, the number two minutes, 120 seconds, is, ah, specifically two minutes, is very important because there's a movie called Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. It's available right now on video on demand and I'm on VOD and I'm excited because there's a lot of podcasts, movie review podcasts out there and I'm hoping, look, I'd like to say that we're one of the only podcasters that's actually covering Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. This does not make our podcast special. We're just trying to beat the drum out there to for people to see Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Eric Holmes at our Cinematics Facebook group today, I, I told this was my mea culpa. This is my plea to the members. Please go see Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. I immediately purchased the movie for 10 bucks. Was that a good recommendation, you think? Do you think I was overstepping my bounds at pleading people to just watch this movie no uh are we just gonna get into it though or? no no i just said you don't think okay. bruce what do you think what, what do you I, think do you i think didn't it? i didn't want to show my hand too early but yeah yeah, yeah that, that, that's just, actually a great recommend and uh we'll get into it more but certainly worth a purchase yeah, okay, definitely no showing worth hands. A, I, definitely worth a rental yeah, because de- this movie's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Okay, pretty amazing, Bruce. We're gonna get. I mean, a little spoiler alert. Two minutes. You know, just pretend the two minutes is now. Pretend we're in the present. Li- present. Live in the present, Bruce. What do you think? Beyond the infinite two minutes, is it worth more than two minutes of your time? Specifically, seventy plus minutes. What do you think? <laughs> well, yes. Uh, I in fact, I had. I got it ahead of you guys, and I was like, "Are you guys going to get this movie?" Because I want to talk about it. Because <laughs> I was like, "I was like, oh no, I can't be the only one that sees this movie." Because this this is one of those movies you see, you want to talk about it with other people. So, uh, yes, I would say yes is the short answer. I'm a little bit sore at Bruce Perky because there's there's a couple things here. I'm really uh, a little bit jealous of Bruce Perky because I've been doing this thing, this shindig we call it etern- entertainment journalism and movie reviewing, blogging, what, I what radio stuff, whatever I do. I've been doing it since 1991. And last week he did we all did a review of the Amazon Prime Video released 
A Hero by Askar Farhadi. We were talking about it. We were reviewing it. And then Bruce brought up some kind of analogy about a chair and how whittling away. And it was very beautiful and <laughs> eloquent. And then on our Cinematics Facebook group, by the way, please join our Cinematics Facebook group. Our fellow member and colleague, Jack Fitzpatrick, he is, by the way, a YouTuber reviewer. He does this thing, show called Let's Crash This Parade, this channel called Let's Crash This Parade. Great for movie reviews and Dexter recaps. Great, great channel. But Jack just complimented Bruce on his eloquence at describing that chair analogy with the hero. And you know what? No one's ever complimented me on my movie reviews, Eric. I feel jealous. What do you think? Were you, were you jealous when Jack said, threw down on the nice niceties to Bruce Perky? No, because uh, he's right, what? number one and number okay. two. Oh, oh what? Um, he's I'm right. sure he loves you too, Greg. Would <laughs> Jack? Well, well, I need – I always could – and by the way – Anderson Cowan is a top dog over at Cinematics. I've always been the second in command. I've always liked to be the just the, the I'm not the captain of the ship. And even though I am the moderator of Find Your Film, I was going to actually nominate Bruce Perky as the actual captain of the Find Your Film ship until that nice compliment from Jack Fitzpatrick <laughs> landed on our respective Facebook feed a day ago. And I'm jealous. And now, you know what, Bruce? You have been demoted to – you and me are just lackeys. And I'm, I'm calling here <laughs> right now our Find Your Film leader – Chairman of the board is not Peter. I, Peter. I, I, Eric Holmes. What do you think? Yes, Bruce. What do you think? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. If, if, well, this is what I'm thinking. I'll be the eloquent one. Yeah. Eric. Eric's going to be the badass, the kick-ass badass. Yes. Wow. And Greg is going to be the sexy motherfucker. Oh, and very good. One. Very and good. The funny uh, one. And the funny uh, one. Thank you. And the, and the funny one. Hashtag uh, spree follow for a follow. We're going to have a bunch of movies. We're going to have a bunch of movies other than Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. They're speaking of two minutes, which I, I'm, or maybe even more minutes that I'm sure Bruce and Eric wish they got back. There's a Woody Allen film we're, we're covering called Rifkin's Festival. And last but not least, or maybe least, I don't know, is this new Adrian Brody film called Clean. Eric Holmes, I'm looking from the corner of my eye. You think, I think you have a thought in your yes. head. What, what is well, it? Uh, we were just mentioning Jack Fitzpatrick. And um, I don't know if you can remember the name of the movie because the name of the movie escapes me. But there was one that he pointed out. This is a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. It was about an event that happened in uh, Australia. Do you remember the movie I'm talking about? Because I cannot remember the name of it. Hmm. Oh, I remember. I remember that that movie was out, but um, I don't remember what it's called either. It's about the the mass shooting that happened down there. Yeah, um, um I, I'll remember it or uh, bring it up. But I think that's coming out here at the end of March. Okay, I believe I saw something about that. So something to keep an eye out because I, I remember I'm talking about it. And it's like that sounds like a really good one, and it wasn't playing anywhere here. Uh, yeah, out in, in America in March. I guess uh, we should <laughs> should. Uh, but yeah, that that'll be coming out soon. And if I can remember the name of it, I will blurt it out. But I cannot remember the name of it at yeah. this time. Very good, Eric. And you know what? Our mission, our respect. You know, all kidding aside, our respective mission is to find films for you, our faithful listener, to hopefully catch. And maybe you'll agree, disagree regarding. Thought, our thoughts and picks on various movies. Last week, it was Lu- Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, and I hope some people actually saw it other than me, Eric Holmes, and Bruce Perky. Bruce, is Lu- Lunana a week and a half later still in your, your noggin? Are you still appreciating how, how beautiful that movie is? Yeah, I, I think it's going to live it's going to live as long as Pem Zam lives in our brains, which is probably for the rest of our lives. So oh I would say yes. And by the way, the movie is called uh, Knit Ram. <laughs> why is it called why is it called oh oh in bhutan or something or bhutanese or nitram I, I think that's the name of the area that it happened 
maybe. Yeah, Nit Nit Ram is the Australian shooting movie that we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, Nit Ram, the the Australian shooting movie. N I T R A M. Is that correct? Nit Ram. Mm-hmm. That is the movie that is coming out in March. We thank you, Eric. We will look out for it. And again, thank you, Jack Fitzpatrick, for that recommendation on that film. Will be interesting. Hopefully, we will track it down. Now, a movie that might be worth tracking down. It's currently it's a it's a movie that it's called one of my heroes. I'm going to say it right now. When I was young. Woody Allen was a huge hero of mine. I don't know if you knew this, Eric, but a, a lot of my or, or Bruce, a lot of my neurosis, a lot of my delivery or lack thereof, a comedic delivery comes from Woody Allen. When I was a kid, one and they had DVDs. One of my all-time, or actually VHS tapes, I had a fantasy like, oh, one day I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna be a movie reviewer, a movie writer, and I'm gonna have every single single Woody Allen movie ever made. And then eventually, I got infatuated with the work of Brian De Palma, but. The first and foremost was Woody Allen. So now, years later, he, he's still he's still going on. He's in his 80s. There's a movie called Rifkin's Festival. It's theaters and digital. January 28th, Wallace Shawn, celebrated playwright and actor, character actor, and also the star, a co-star of My Dinner with Andre, that Louis Ma classic way back in the day. He is the lead in this movie. He plays a retired film professor who goes on a festival in San Sebastian, San Sebastian Film Festival, with his publicist wife, Played by Gina Gershon, they go together to San Sebastian, and they what essentially what happens is she is rep- representing a filmmaker client, and that is their overall journey. They go to San Sebastian, and unfortunately, their marriage is they're a little bit on the outs. They're it's not really co- kind of cool. But he wants to travel. The Wallace Shawn character wants to travel. He's excited about a new area, but the problem is his wife might maybe cheating on him with her filmmaker client that is the premise behind rifkin's festival also the wallace sean character he is while he's suspecting her being adult being an adulteress he is actually having thoughts of actually romancing a local doctor himself so he's not too broken up about her cheating because he might want to cheat as well that is rifkin's festival written and directed by woody allen eric holmes i this is this is catnip for me this is woody allen i'm fine with it I while I'm watching this, I'm thinking this must have been torture for you to watch because maybe Rifkin's Festival is not your type of movie. Maybe no Woody Allen movie is type your type of movie. How much of a slog was Rifkin's Festival for you? It wasn't much of a slog. Um, pretty much the only Woody Allen movie I like is Midnight in Paris. He's just his uh, style and comedy just doesn't really jive with with you know line up with mine. Um, but the, this one. This one was all right. You know, the the uh Rose Budnick joke was kinda <laughs> it was kinda dumb, but we, um, we have to also say the Rose Budnick joke that Eric is referring to is Rosebud Citizen Kane. Again, Rifkin's Festival is about a film festival and there is a a bunch of black and white homages to Jean Luc Godard, the filmmakers, and Ingmar Bergman and, and Orson Welles. So. Yeah, they yeah, they even had the the what was it, the Seven Seal? Yeah, with the with the chess game, um, but at, yeah. I mean, there there was definitely parts in it that I liked. Performances were all good. One of the things that kind of turned me off was the uh, the main character, uh, the Sicilian uh, from Princess Bride. I keep forgetting his name. Oh, Wallace Shawn. Yeah, Wallace Shawn. His character is he was written seemed really immature for his age. Like <laughs> that, this would be a story I would expect from like a a teenager early 20s character and the fact that he's like 
you know, in his, in his sixties or seventies and still dealing, dealing with the uh, relationships and the way he's doing it. It was kind of weird, but then, and it felt like the movie was kind of forgiving him for that. And I did appreciate that it kind of, uh, I, I guess came back around. I probably shouldn't get into that because it gets spoilers. Not that you can really spoil this kind of thing. Cause it's more of a character hangout piece, but, uh, yeah, I, I like this more than I thought I did. I still didn't love it. I would say that if, uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll let Greg point out if you're a Woody Allen fan, if you'd like it or not. I would say as a non Woody Allen fan, uh, if you're forced to watch this, you probably like some of it, but what is your personal rating on this out of five? What would you give this it? This would probably be two, two and a half. Um, but again, this is coming from a non Woody Allen fan that I, I don't think this is the movie that's going to draw non Woody Allen fans in, but as a non Woody Allen fan, it, you know, it, I, I found some good stuff in there. Uh, the filmmaking was good. The way it shot, you know, the, the stagings and everything and the, the, uh, remakes of the certain classic movies that they did was kind of fun. But, you know, it, 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 it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. And for me, it was like kind of, eh, it's pretty good for a Woody Allen movie. So let's go with two stars with Eric Holmes for Rifkin's Island. Oh, Rifkin's. Well, I was thinking Bergman Island. Rifkin's Festival. Two stars. It's really for Eric. similar. Yeah, very no, no, similar. No, 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 similar in a sense, but Bergman's Island is is a is a classic. I love, I love Bergman Island. Bergman or Bergman's, but Rifkin's Festival. Two stars from Eric Holmes. Bruce Berkey, your thoughts on Rifkin's Festival? I don't even know. I, I we, you and I have never had that Woody Allen conversation. If you are like Eric, that his speed is not yours, or maybe there might be some gems of Woody Allen that you've liked over the years. I don't know where you stand regarding his body of work and how does this movie compare stack up to his other stuff? Yeah, I I have liked some Woody Allen in the past. I probably haven't liked much of what I've seen of his in the last 20 years or so, but I haven't honestly seen a ton of his movies in the last 20 years. But he makes like a movie a year, pretty much. That's kind of his claim to fame. Well, one of his claims to fame. He has claims in fame, too. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I really like some of his older stuff. Uh, a lot of his older stuff is, is really good. The problem I had with this one is I've seen quite a bit of his early work. I mean, I've probably seen 20, 20 of his early films, you know. So this, to me, seems like so you know how you always hear with Wes Anderson, you always hear like he's getting to a point where he's doing a parody of himself. This movie is kind of like the Woody Allen version of that. This is like an imitation of an imitation, like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And by the time you get to the end of it, it's just like he is just fated to barely being what he was anymore. You know, um, I lost my camera. Oh, well, you don't get to see me, people. Um, yeah, how did you How did you lose your camera, Bruce? What happened to you? You just disappeared. Into I, the I think that the powers that be are trying to stop me from talking about this. <laughs> I know what's happening. He's, he's talking about me in my movie. Like, yeah, exactly. I like it, so I turned him on. <laughs> I'll okay, mess that with was, it later. That was, my camera working. that was Eric Holmes's anyway, impression of Woody Allen. Very good, very good, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like all of all of his things are here. I mean, obviously, you got the stand-in for Woody. Is it you, the whole time? I feel this feeling of this ghost of this. This is supposed to be Woody Allen in this role that's being played by Wallace Shawn and you've got all the stuff, you know, the old guy that, you know, is neurotic and he's got looking after younger women and there's like all this insecurity and on and on and on. But I mean, and then the other thing that kind of bothered me about it was all of the little homages or the parodies of these older, like famous directors and movies, like he's done that and he's done it better. You know, he did love and death, you know, he's done purple rose of Cairo. He's done, Stardust Memories, which is like a whole movie basically on what Fellini. So 
he's done this before and he's done it better and he's done it in a more interesting way. So for me, this is just a, a, a sad and kind of pale imitation of what could be considered some former greatness. This is a very, this is a trifle. This is barely a movie. It's barely a movie. How many stars would you give it? Two, maybe? Yeah, I'd give it two stars. Two stars. I give this movie three and a half stars. And this is why. This is a solid recommend for me if you're a Woody Allen fan. I think here are the negatives to to this movie. There's no, it is an inert narrative. It is very motionless, very static. But here's, but the, the idea is, if you like Wallace Shawn and if you're invested in him as a character actor, as a writer, as an artist, it's great to see Wallace Shawn spewing some of Woody Allen's lines. I thought that's pretty cool. And it's great seeing a Woody Allen movie again. He, and he, even though he goes through the same kind of motions that he's done, it, like you mentioned, Bruce, like Stardust Memories and, and whatnot, it has, a, it's not as evocative as his earlier stuff. But what's interesting is this movie is directed by a person who's in his mid eighties and the character the the main character played by Wallace Shawn is probably a guy who's in his late seventies at the most early eighties as well. Hello, you're back again on video, Bruce. But I think the reason why this movie has a very slow motion kind of aesthetic to it is because the lead actor is old. The director is old and it's one, it may be a trifle, but it's a trifle that is worth watching if you're a Woody Allen completist or enthusiast and I haven't been a completist within the last several years. I haven't seen his last several movies. But it, this movie reminded me of how much I really enjoyed Woody Allen. And it, it, even though it goes through some similar beats, I still would recommend this. This is not a Woody Allen movie that I would not recommend. Also, it's shot by legendary filmmaker Vittorio Storaro. He's considered one of cinema's most just talented filmmakers. I mean, if you if you go through some of Storaro's work, I believe, let me look at some of um, Storaro's work. I believe he Polanski, actually... Polanski, Victor Salva. Polanski, <laughs> Victor Salva. <laughs> oh, you're... Yeah, yeah. No, but he's basically worked with Woody Allen. Very good with... You know what? I actually interviewed Victor Salva years ago, but here's a movie. Here are some of his movies. Bullworth, which is an interesting film by by Warren Beatty. He did this movie called Little Buddha, directed by Bernardo Bertolucci. I recommended Little Buddha, starring Keanu Reeves and Bridget Fonda, to my sister and mother. They immediately saw it, and they immediately got <laughs> mad at me because they said, you just gave me a horrible recommendation. But I love that. You know, The Last Emperor, Ishtar, Lady Hawk. And, of course, he directed a 1979 film directed by Francis Ford Coppola called Apocalypse Now. As Eric said... There are some, it's beautiful, it's, it has some interesting shots in it. If you really are a completist regarding you want to see a movie shot and lensed by Vittorio Storaro, who is probably in his 80s like Woody Allen, this is worth watching just for, on a cinephile level. But it has all of those flaws and failures that Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes mentioned. It just depends on your 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 um, your mileage on this movie will vary. My, my, my mileage is very high. I love Woody, so three and a half for me, for Rifkin's Festival, two stars for b both Bruce and Eric. Final thoughts on this movie from you guys? Any other comments? Uh, no, that's about it. <laughs> that Rose Budnick mm -hmm. joke is really bad. <laughs> Go Rose watch Crimes and Misdemeanors. Go watch Crimes and Misdemeanors. And, you know, if you want to see a Seventh Seal, go watch Christoph Waltz as, in, in that role. I don't think Bruce really was really I, impressed by the Christoph I, Waltz. I actually period. did kind of like that part. Oh, I did, did? No. If you yeah, want to see the, the Seventh the, Seal, go watch uh, 
Bill and Ted second adventure. (laughs) I I think that's probably one of the saving graces of this movie is every time they do the little, little remakes of the, of the movie. I I, I just thought that was, those were kind of fun. And that's probably the best part of the movie, I think. Okay. Again, I recommend this movie. Bruce and Eric do not recommend it. My warning though is it goes back to Eric's point. If you are not a converted fan of Woody Allen's work, your your love for this movie will probably around, be around the two, if not, hopefully three star range, maybe even the one star range. Eric, yes. So, well, um, this isn't the Woody Allen movie to uh, convert people. Um, what's uh, I guess Bruce named a couple, but what are what, what would be one of your uh, Woody Allen movies? Like, oh. look, I know you don't like Woody Allen. Watch this movie; it'll change your mind. Well. You know, Bruce Perky, Bruce Perky mentioned Crimes and Misdemeanors. You don't have to be a Woody Allen fan to like Crimes and Misdemeanors. That movie is a comedy, but ultimately it's a hard-hitting morality tale that pretty much hits you between the eyes. Martin Landau's excellent in it. And I think that's probably, I would say that movie, I would say, even if you just like straight up dramas, a movie like Matchpoint, it has no real Woody Allen influence to it. That seems like a different movie. That movie seems like a movie that was a British film that was directed by Kenneth Branagh, Branagh, you know, who wanted yeah, to, that's true. To he wanted to, yeah. No, see, he's he's a talented filmmaker. Don't listen to Anderson, yeah. folks. I think he's, a, he's Anderson he's, might he's, be right. Anderson might be right. Anderson, Anderson, he who likes Steven Spielberg's movie 1941. I don't know about that. So, by the way, speaking of Anderson, we will Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. We all three of us will be part again. It's it's an ongoing thing. Next week we will be taping an episode of Cinematics. We are part of the whole. We're fine. Your film here, and we also Eric and. Bruce, they help chip in for the opening episode of every month for cinematics as time permits. So, okay. So that is our first movie. Our second movie is a movie starring Adrian Brody, directed by Paul Solit, co-written by Adrian Brody and Paul Solit. They previously worked together on a movie called Bullethead. Paul Solit is a, is a filmmaker that I like. I recently interviewed him. I really remember enjoying this movie he did called Bullethead. Eric Holmes has seen that as well. Actually, when I did the last cinematics episode with with Anderson, he mentioned how much he liked the Paul Solette documentary. I think it's called Tread. I've never seen that. So that should be an interesting movie as far as to watch. Now, Clean centers on Adrian Brody. He's a garbage man sanitation worker who lives in a rundown neighborhood. He lives in a, a dilapidated wa- uh, warehouse. He's very good with his hands, meaning in the past he's been a killer, maybe a contract killer. He is a one-man army, kind of like John Wick. Okay, He can kill, but he kills people with a hammer. He's a hammer killer. Hammer, it's hammer time for Adrian Brody's character <laughs> as Eric Holmes, I mean, as Bruce Perky. This is Perky, why Greg's the funniest one. No. It's, it's a monkey just, wrench. It's a monkey wrench. Oh, sorry, monkey wrench. I'm sorry. I'm not very. I'm not very good with the DIY home improvement stuff. That is handyman. <laughs> Bruce Perky's very good with that. He's he's good with a with a wrench, monkey wrench, hammer, utensil, screwdriver, what have you. There's a lot of there's a lot of tools in this movie. Would it is is one of the tools the the talent of storytelling that that should be interesting to see if if both Bruce and Eric like it i enjoyed it adrian brody i thought was pretty convincing as this just haunted guy who's trying to get clean because he's been a past killer and one of the ways he's trying to get clean is to be he's trying to be nice to a local girl a teenager and he does nice things for her and in in a in a very innocent way he gives her some food he gives her rights to school and when her life gets kind of threatened he he uh, manages to try to save the day and by his good deeds, 
violence occurs, the crime, the, his past catches up with him, and ultimately he has a showdown with a mob boss and his and his fellow henchmen. That is the premise of Clean. I end up really enjoying this genre layered film, wondering what Bruce thinks of Clean. Well, um, this is kind of a miss for me. I, uh, here's the problem with this kind of movie. First of all, this this has a securely has a foot in that kind of exploitative world of like a death wish. This is like one of those kind of movies. But the problem is when those movies were made, they were these pulpy, like organically made movies from their time. But now if you make them, they kind of have to seem like an homage or they have to seem like a John Wick kind of movie. Like you mentioned, John Wick, this kind of has its feet in both worlds. So the first half of this movie is kind of this gritty taxi driver esque you know, guys trying to, you know, live the straight and narrow life, but he's constantly confronted with, you know, challenges that make him want to give in and, you know, give into his haunted past. Well, he just wants to be a, you know, garbage man. He just wants to be a innocent garbage man and he wants to refurbish houses at night. I don't know, it, <laughs> which is what he does for part of this movie. And then he's just this like a uh, white savior kind of dude that, you know, just kind of comes through and he's just randomly picks this girl that he's going to save. And that whole part is kind of just is what it is. It didn't ever, it didn't ever really work for me. Then the second half of the movie starts and it starts to fully embrace its pulpiness. Uh, and that worked a little better for me. It was a little fun, mostly intentional, unintentionally funny, I think, because it still was trying to be serious. Uh, a couple scenes I would point out without giving things away. There's a hatchet attack at one point, which was like, and as it started happening, I was like, well, this is supposed to look cool, but. They all bought the same hatchets. Like, what did they do? Have like a six for one hatchet sale. And oh, then what you do. <laughs> and then when the hatchet attack starts happening, like the minute it starts going south, I think that at least one of those guys would have had a gun too. You know, would it would have pulled a Indiana Jones and, and shot somebody dead. But eh, maybe it doesn't go down that way. And then the most funny thing that wasn't supposed to be funny in this movie, there is a gun altering scene that is almost Evil Dead-esque, but it's played seriously. And then it's followed by a very long, luxurious shot of Mr. Brody's chest. We have to look at it for quite a while. I, I think they're probably he probably had a contract that it had to be lingering on his chest for a good minute or something. And then once it's done, he points the, his modified gun at the camera and goes, boom. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. you've got to be fucking kidding me. But when, I gave it I an extra star. Scene. I, I gave it an extra scene. star for the ridiculous bombasticness of that. But it wasn't. It wasn't played at the tone that I think would have worked. It was played I, seriously, and it was joke at that point. Uh, you know, it's weird. I loved everything about that. The, the two blends. I this, that, this is a four star film for you, Bruce. What is it? A two for you? Yeah, this is a two, and it only gets to be a two because it's so funny in the second half. Okay, I mean, it's, it's ridiculously funny, and I think this also borderlines on being. This is problematic as well. This movie borderlines on some really big stereotype shit too, which kind of mm. bothers me. Okay. It, and okay. once again, that was part of the problem in all those Death Wish movies. They bore, they bordered in that too, in a society that was drenched in it. But now you should know better. That's what I would say. I think that this was a fun, this, for me, this was an interesting movie. Genre for, not just genre for genre's sake. I thought it was a little bit deeper. Four for me, two for Bruce. So this is interesting. Two sides of the coin. Where, what side of the coin are you on, Eric? Uh, depends on how drunk I am next time I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, th this is one of those movies that it, if if I'm fucking lit, this is probably my favorite movie of the year. Uh, but I was not when I saw it, so it's not quite there. Pretty much everything Bruce said, uh, it had uh, it almost felt like it was trying to be. You were never really here, 
it was, it was almost going for that, but this is not that movie. It, this is more of like Bruce said, a death wish. Um, I'm like, dude, there were some cool kills in this. So when you had the, uh, uh, stick the, uh, uh, the flare in the guy's mouth shut his mouth as his head is burned from the side. I'm like, yeah. that's so fucking cool. Um, but yeah. again, uh, also there's like some really bad stereotypes where it's like, how do you not know? <laughs> how do you not know as you're making this? Um, but uh, I guess, um, yeah, the, I, I think your mileage on this might vary depending on how drunk you are when you're watching it and, uh, you know, how, uh, how, how open you are for this type of thing. Uh, as it is, this is probably two, two and a half. Some, uh, yeah, I'll probably go two stars. Um, I didn't hate this. Um, there was a bunch of it I thought was pretty awesome, but like kind of Bruce said, like the, uh, <laughs> When he when he was going down with the silent shotgun, which by the way didn't silence it at all, <laughs> it, just, it just gave another obstruction in front of the shotgun. Uh, but then he points it, shoots a guy, boom, or like yeah, heads up, or you know, like <laughs> yeah, so it needed to fully embrace that. It needed to yeah. fully embrace that. Like for example, the monkey wrench. He has it in a weapons case with a monkey wrench shape outline that he actually keeps in that case as one of his weapons of choice. Yeah. Well, okay, that's ridiculous. Let, let's this is getting into Rambo territory. Just go all the way, man. I, I think the I think the problem with uh, mixing the pulpiness of this with the the tone of uh, something like you were never really here is it makes it seem like the movie thinks it's more important than it is. Right, and then. When it gets to the when it gets to the end, it starts to get silly. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a you know, this is a, a you know, a, a fun action thriller or whatever. Um, I will say, I I really like the music in this, the score in this, and apparently Adrian Brody did that, so good on him. I don't know that it uh, would you know that would be a thing that everyone's like, hey, can't wait to watch it because of the music. But yeah, this is kind of a misfire, but at the same time, it's kind of it. I don't know. You catch me on the right day. I fucking love this thing. Um, it but looks I, good, it, too. It yeah. looks really good. I, I would say that the other thing, you're talking about how it undercuts it. I think it undercuts it both ways. Yeah. Because I think when you get to the kind of over-the-tops, like kind of action-y stuff, pulpy action-y stuff, it undercuts the actual seriousness stuff earlier on. Yeah. So there's stuff from his past, and there's stuff that's about to happen to the main girl in this movie, and it makes it seem like... That's kind of a joke too, but that I, stuff I, isn't a joke. I think I think where it works though is uh, the fact that I wasn't expecting this to be a, a pulp thing just because of the tone of the movie. So when he right. does go shoot him in the face and go boom, I'm like, oh. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is the, like make no mistake, this is not a good movie, but maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I, you know what? I'll, That's I'll weird. Go, you're, I'll, you are I'll going. I'll go right down the middle, two and a half on this, because I'm so torn on this one. Okay, two and a half. I'm not torn on this one at all, even though I did an interview. By the way, you can check out my interview with director Paul Solit on the Cinematics Facebook feed. Not Cinematics Facebook, on the Cinematics podcast. I just uploaded it this week. You can see check out my interviews on Cinematics. Now, Eric gives it two and a half. I understand the, the struggle, because that uh, it, it, it tries to take itself seriously, but then it's a genre piece. It's a gumbo pot. I love the gumbo pot. I loved every second of this. I was immersed in it. Maybe some of these characters are caricatures. Some may seem, see them as caricatures. I just had a, I just had a very fun time 
watching clean. Also, got to mention the actors, Michael T. Williamson as a sponsor, very good in this movie, Glenn Fleshler as the mob boss. I loved him. I, I just, he was in Werewolves Within. He was, he's also in Billions. He's a fantastic actor. And also, I believe his name is Richie Merritt, I believe. That's, he plays the, the son of oh, the yeah, mob the boss. Kid. Yeah. The, yeah, he's very, very good. He's, he was the lead in White Boy Rick. Some really good ensemble acting in Clean. Again, two and a half stars for Eric Holmes, two stars for Bruce, and I recommend it with a four star rating. So that's. You know is who cl- I want to see this movie and review it? Is it Jason Kleberg from Force 5 Podcast? Okay. I think. Yeah, Force 5 Podcast. Yeah. He needs to watch this movie because he loves those pulpy movies. I don't want to hear what he says about this movie. Okay. Let's see what Jason Kleberg from Force 5 Podcast. I was on his show about a couple months ago. Really good guy. Would love to hear what he thinks of this movie. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he'll have Paul Solid as one of his guests on Force 5 Podcast, which every week he has a different guest from a different part of cinema or the entertainment world talk about their favorite, like top five kind of stuff. So that is. That for Clean, last but definitely not least. Oh, by the way, Clean, it hits theaters and digital on January 28th. Now, last but not least, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. (sighs) Bruce, (laughs) you know, look, I want to hear your plot synopsis on this because in all fairness, I did not give you enough credit at the top. You, like you said, you saw this maybe a week and a half before Eric and I did. You actually made, not made me, you actually had me say hey let's go check out this movie and yeah if you say if you didn't say hey let's go check out this movie i would have completely ignored this email so i want you to lead off this segment because it's this is all you and i i'm so i'm indebted to you for, for this one okay so you know how christopher nolan has spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and hours trying to make these movies that'll bend your mind minus memento do yes. you remember how uh, Primer did it for only a few dollars? Yeah. Um, it did it really well, but it was also really serious and really mind-bendy and was was really hard to figure out, but not a ton of fun. This is that, but fun. Uh, and basically, the concept is this. It starts out with a guy. He's getting off work at this cafe. He lives in an apartment upstairs from the cafe. He goes home. He walks upstairs to his apartment, walks in. On the computer screen, he sees himself. His self is two minutes in the future saying, I'm two minutes in the future. Hey, look under your thing. There's something there you needed. He looks and goes, oh, it's here's what I needed. He goes, go downstairs. The guy's like, what the heck is going on? He walks back downstairs to the place he works, and there's a screen there. And it's himself walking into the apartment a few minutes ago like we just saw it. And the camera didn't cut. The camera followed him from his apartment downstairs to see himself on the screen where we just saw him from the apartment upstairs. This is the beginning concept. And it's like, uh, what is it? Katamari Damacy, that game where you roll a ball and you slowly pick up the entire world with you as you roll. Well, this is kind of like that with time travel because he keeps gathering people. People keep getting sucked into this time travel world. And each two minutes, each time they go back to the apartment, they add a weird wrinkle. And by the end, and this is all goofy and fun and weird and by the time you get to the end uh, so much weird shit's happened in the 70 minutes that you've watched that you're either going to be absolutely in love with this movie or you're going to be like or and or be totally confused at the same time i think (laughs) but but, um i think this is so much fun okay so a quick correction bruce he is i'm looking on imdb we're gonna get to you in two seconds eric he's a cafe owner not a cafe worker the reason i didn't know he was the owner yeah, I, I inferred that he was the owner, but I think Bruce Perky, Bruce, you had a really accurate read because he acts like a cafe employee. Yeah, he doesn't act like the owner. <laughs> it, it, 
he, I would be the employee. I'm just, I just want him to, I, I want to take things easy. So it's, it's interesting that he's the owner, Eric Holmes. I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to point out that this movie is not hard to follow. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, cause usually with time travel movies, uh, especially something like Primer, like it's easy to get lost with what's happening because there's so much weird and there's a bunch of weird stuff happening here. It, it's pretty easy to follow because where it gets tough is when you start thinking of how did they shoot this movie? And that's when it starts melting your mind because it's the entire movie is one shot. This felt like a Michelle Gondry movie. Like, Wait, is, uh, it, is the entire movie one shot? Yeah, the entire thing is one shot. No, there, there has to be cuts, right? I'm sure there are hidden, but it's presented as one shot. Really? The entire movie is one shot. I'm an one-er. idiot. It's presented as a one-er? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and even if it's and, not a one-er, there's a lot of sequences that are very uninterrupted. Okay, okay. Yeah, so like uh, they'll they'll carry the, the TV with them and set it behind them. So the people in the past is in the, this TV and the people in the future is in that TV. So you have to figure as you're watching this, yeah, that that's cool. They're just doing playback, but they're playing back something that they haven't done yet. And and even if they did record this and hide the cut somewhere, the amount of timing that needs to be like we're hitting it play and the you know, there's long shots where they can't hide and edit. They have to have that timing. So right, because you know, they gotta play like I have some ideas on how they might have shot this, and even those ideas is like still really difficult to pull off. And the the filmmaking in this is just amazing. Like Yep. Mind blowing. And almost to the point where like, cause it's, it's real simple setup. You know, you're talking to yourself uh, in that TV two minutes in the past. You're talking in this TV two minutes in the future. Pretty simple as you're following it. But then once you start thinking of, uh, you know, their time travel doesn't exist. So how did they shoot this? And then you start, that's when your brain starts breaking down. It's like, holy crap. They, they did magic. They literally made magic. <laughs> Eric, you know, you, your take on it is a lot more analytical than mine. I had n- none of these thoughts entered my brain. The one, maybe because I'm stupid, but one of the things that actually entered my brain was I, we, we watch, all of us watch a lot of movies. I can't remember having more fun yeah. in my life watching this movie as far as movies go. This is easily, I'm trying to think of a more enjoyable experience than this. I can't, it's, it's maybe, I'm thinking maybe something like that I got swept away in. I know you guys love Belle, but I haven't been this blown away by a movie since Millennium Actress. Okay. So beyond the infinite two minutes just swept me away. I'm glad that you have, you have that take, Eric, because this puts it on a con- completely different layer regarding the technical. Bruce, I'm just wondering, where did this hit you? Were you being swept away by the story? Or were you kind of like Eric, where you were trying to piece things together like a detective as far as the technical stuff goes? I, I, I hit a point where I became Eric's brain. And that is like, I don't know, it's about a 15 or 20 minutes in, like you're just enjoying the ride and the story and like the weirdness of it. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, how the fuck did they do that shot? Wait, how are they timing that out? So the actor knows when that clip is coming in that they just filmed two minutes ago to get it to come on that. Wait, what? And then, yeah. And, and then when, so wait, I, and when I kind TV of, has a power cord that fucking long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that too. But I mean, and, that, and I kind of had ebb and flow, right? Kind of flow out of the story for a minute, which makes me want to rewatch this, which is great because it is totally rewatchable. Made me want to rewatch it again so I could just enjoy the story part and then another time just to watch the technical part. Um, one other thing I'll point out, 
There's some really fun stuff at the end of this with some um, Chekhov's gun stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff where a whole bunch of objects are being told from the future to get oh. in the past. And, there, and I'm not going to say what happens with those, but it's really fun. And I would make one big suggestion. If you have seen one cut of the dead and loved it, watch this movie. If yes. you haven't seen one cut of the dead and you love this, go watch that movie. They're not the same, but I think that they capture the same kind of joyous movie making kind of insanity and, and mind alteringness. I think they both live in a, like a similar like head space. I would say, I would say watch one cut of the dead first and yeah. then, and then watch this uh, because I think if you watch this, then one cut of the dead, because one cut of the dead is really good. If you watch one cut of the dead after this, that's like a, uh, you know, that that's like eating McDonald's after having a prime rib. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. Yeah, there's some there's something to that for sure. Okay, yeah, for me, one, beyond the infinite two minutes, I put this on Letterbox. I was I initially gave it five stars, and then I gave it four and a half because I was thinking maybe it's low five. But I'm I'm thinking I I just had so much fun in this, and I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch this movie probably a hundred times in my life. Probably I gave it f- I, five star banger for me, Eric. Rating this is a, per- on- this is a perfect sixty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect sixty nine percent. So I'm guessing that's a five star for you, Eric. That's it. That's a that's a sixty nine star. <laughs> this movie's awesome. yeah, 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 we'll go five star. This movie's just it, it it's fun. Uh, the 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 laser guns at the end don't want to <laughs> yes. give that don't want to give that away. But when that comes up, you'll know you'll know. Yeah. and it, it gets almost ridiculous to a Ned Wood level. This movie, I lean on the technical aspects, which is amazing, but it's also really fun too. So yeah. in, enjoy yourself. Yeah, yes. this is this is a a textbook on what can be achieved on a micro budget. Like you can get this much fun and inventiveness on essentially hardly any budget. And that just goes to show you that it's imagination. It's not necessarily the budget. Um, I give it five stars too. And I also want to mention, and I'm not going to talk about what happens, but also using the time travel or travel thing as part of asking somebody out on a date and how that plays out. I loved that too. Yeah. That's the story of my life. That section, that is definitely the story (laughs) of my bleeping life. Here's another cu- couple things. It sounds like a very gimmicky plot, but I think it goes back to what Eric was saying. It, this is movie. Don't let the gimmick, the one trick pony aspect or the gimmick of the plot dissuade you from watching the movie. It is a very easy to understand movie. And number two, if you have, if you're a very busy person, 70 minutes is heaven. <laughs> this movie is 70 Wait. bleeping minutes and it's, it feels like a 90 minute movie. It feels like a meal, right, Eric? It feels- but it could have been so much better if it was four hours and then black and white. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> four hours. Look, it, it, they came had, out with the director's soundtrack. Cut. <laughs> oh. And I, I'm mispronouncing the name. The director is Junta Yamaguchi, J-U-N-T-A, or maybe Junta Yamaguchi. I don't know how to pr- pronounce that name. But it is a fantastic film. Right now, as we speak, it's available for rent or to purchase on on VOD, digital, whatever. I after watching this, I immediately purchased the movie for ten bucks. I'm I, it's on digital. It's on my Amazon Prime Video. I'm gonna go on my Fire Stick and watch some more stuff after recording this. Bruce, you have, you had a couple of things you wanted to say? Oh, I was just gonna say I, I'm waiting. I'm hoping they get a DVD or Blu-ray here in the United States because I'm hoping there's a, a making of. Yes. I want to see the making oh, of on this. <laughs> absolutely. The only thing that's gonna be better than this movie is the making of this movie. 
All right. Yeah. So that is okay. Again, I'm so, you know, this is what, this is actually one of last week was Lunana. I was going to say Lunana, a yak in the basement, but Lunana, a yak in the classroom. (laughs) Why did I say yak in the basement? But that, this, that was a great recommendation. This is just a great recommendation as well. Two, two like weeks of just great stuff. I'm so excited. I hope more people get to watch Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Yes. I kind of want to bump this down to four and a half because Pem Zam wasn't in it, but go ahead. (laughs) yes she of she of that lunana film she's very very good and she's a natural awesome you know what's so funny is i'm going to read a comment we actually had had a comment on our review of lunana on youtube on our youtube channel and i'm going to read it to you in a second but before we get to that eric and bruce they're going to start spearheading a segment i don't even know what it's called maybe it's the dean coons lightning round (laughs) or the coons dean lightning round or the coon deans round lightning who knows because we're in a weird mood because (laughs) of keen's Round. <laughs> Write that down. Dude Keats round lightning. <laughs> What's going to happen is Eric and Bruce are going to do machine gun reviews of their respective movies. <laughs> okay. This is what you got to get. You got to get that little clip of the soundtrack from Dune where it's like, oh, the music. <laughs> Just put that between each one. Right. So it's going to be a flash run instead of Dune uh, Keats round lightning. Thank you. <laughs> No, wait, do we decide are we doing round robin or I'm just speeding through it, right? Round, you know, you, it's going to be round robin. You got to go and then Eric's going to go. Eric's going to okay. go. Yeah. And then you got to, yeah, back, back and forth. We should be like forth. chess. We should have like a clock. Hit the yeah, clock. Yeah. And um, we'll have, uh, okay. uh, we'll have Christoph Waltz in it to moderate. Yes, sir. All right. Go for it. First one, Dune <laughs> round, round lightning. lightning. Thank you. That, that Send is, that to us, please. Please say, yeah, put that in the Google notes, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the House, Netflix. Yes. I mentioned this on, I believe, the cinematics that we did together as okay. one I was looking forward to. This is an animated, stop-motion animated feature. It's called a series. It's not a series. It's new movie, an- right? Is it new? The House? Yeah, it's brand new. It's on Netflix. Well, like two weeks ago, maybe. It's uh, animation kind of like Fantastic Mr. Fox. And it's three different animators. Each of them has a section, and each of the sections is um, another story in the same house in different periods of time. Oh, very uh, good. Yeah, and it's really interesting and weird, especially if you like stop-motion animation. I think you'll really dig this. The stories are creepy and surreal and strange. Um, I I really dug it. Some people probably won't as much if they're just not into that kind of thing. But um, if you like animation, and especially if you like stop-motion animation, it's one of the more interesting things to kind of pop up on Netflix, and it's not getting any buzz. It's just kind of there and gone because it's not the kind of thing that really sells on Netflix. Okay, you, uh, so, wait. You're saying it's not a movie. It's it's a it's not a movie. It's a miniseries because it's three episodes. Or is no, it a it's movie? a movie. It's movie, a movie. It's an anthology movie with three parts. Oh, very interesting. So three different animators, three different stories, the same house, different periods of time. It's not even episodes on the thing, so it's not a series. They and might you, make more of them, but I had that does no indication that they are. So is it okay? So, so it works as a standalone. These three uh, yeah. anthology. Okay, very very yep. good. And and Matthew Good, Paul K, and Helena Bonham Carter. They're among the voices in the stop animation feature called The House. How many stars, Bruce? I give this one four stars for me. Four stars for Bruce. The House. Who's in the house? It's Eric, what's the next one? All right, my movie for Dune Keen's Round Lightning is a movie. <laughs> uh, Peter Beta posted a um, watch party that Bootleg Cinema does on Twitch. And the one that I saw was Neon Maniacs. And it was really fun, uh, you know, the, the, the watching the movie because there was a bunch of people on there. Uh, I believe Chad Wilfong was in the chat. Uh, Peter yeah, Chad, we love Chad. Chat. Yeah, so yeah. it was fun. And we were all like watching the movie, kind of commenting on it as we're watching it. Um, you would have to hold a gun to my head for me to explain the plot of this one because I you don't have know to. it. <laughs> It's uh, it's basically um, 80s horror trope, the movie, and it's not 
it's it's not a good one it's just uh crap upon crap but that there's some uh there's some fun stuff this isn't a movie you watch to uh th- this is midnight movie type movie Oddly enough, that's about the time we watched it. And anytime, uh, if uh, Pete ever posts anything in the cinematics that Bootleg Cinema is doing a watch along, I would check it out because it's very fun. This movie's not good, but watching it with a bunch of people, a bunch of like minded people that's, you know, uh, there to drink and have fun and, you know, comment on stuff, this is really good for that. And for that, in that, regard this like four and a half five star movie in a regular regard um as far as my actual star rating goes it's probably one and a half stars <laughs> one and a half stars for neon maniacs here's a here's a plot synopsis a group of teenagers in san francisco discover a nest of homicidal monsters living in the tower of the golden gate bridge but when they try to tell authorities no one believes them that is neon maniacs sounds came about out right in ni- oh. sounds about right sounds it came out in 1986 imdb has a rating of 5.1 out of 10 yes eric holmes that, that's very high but uh, the soundtrack, <laughs> if you love uh, smooth jazz, soundtrack yes, I do. Is very, very good. You will love oh, the soundtrack. I just, I, I'm, a, I'm, a Ken, I'm a Kenny G enthusiast. Are you a Kenny G did, enthusiast? Do you Who's like working? Christopher Cross? I love I, I Sailing is on my Spotify playlist. What if do you, you think like Christopher, Christopher Cross, Cross, this might be your favorite soundtrack of all time. Why and I'm is not Bruce even looking complete, Why is Bruce look, looking completely nonplus when we're mentioning smooth jazz and Christopher Cross? Joe Jackson. Bruce. Uh, Joe Jackson's good. Yeah. First album. You there stepping out? Okay, good, good. First album. Okay. Next, yeah. Bruce. Okay, so wait, one and a half for you for Neon Maniacs. Your turn, Bruce. Uh, I have also been to like probably four or five of those watch parties. They had William Friedkin's the, To Live and Die in LA on one of them. So, hey. Oh, yes. Sometimes it's, so I'm just saying. Um, okay, the next thing I have on the Kunst Dune called Round, round Lightning. Um, the Close last enough. thing, <laughs> the last thing Mary saw on Shutter, brand new movie. That is not Edward. the title. That that's not the title. It's the last thing Mary saw was Greg in in Infinite Two Minutes. <laughs> but um, the last thing Mary Ed, saw, we're excited. Was good. Eduardo Vitaletti. Uh, yeah, this is a really good moody uh, slow burn. If you're into movies like uh, The Witch and those kind of movies, this might be up your alley. Uh, it's supposed to take place in 1843. It starts out with a, a young woman. She has no eyes and a blindfold on, and she's being questioned by elders, and they're trying to find out what happened to cause her entire family to die. And then you have three different fables. Like She has this book with these fables in it, and each fable relates to some part of the history of what happened to the family. And uh, it's very interesting. It also stars um, Rory Culkin and Isabel Furman is in there recently yes, from, from The, the novice, novice. Right. She's good in very this one slow as well. Burn. Does she stand out? Yep. She's really good in this. Really good. She is the – I don't want to tell you. We're not going to go into the whole plot. But – if you like that real slow burn, real moody period piece, um, it's not going to be flashy and full of violent scenes, not many violent scenes, uh, but it might be your cup of tea if you like those kind of movies. Uh, so I would say for people who like that, like myself, this is a three and a half, four star movie. I probably would lean towards four because it kind of stuck with me. Four stars for The Last Thing Mary Saw. It's a new release on Shudder. Again, Bruce Porky is very faithful to the Shudder experience. I've had Shudder for over a year. I've seen like two movies on it. I'm horrible when it comes to my subscriptions. Eric Holmes, what's your next pick? Um, my next pick for Dune King's Round Lightning is a 2021 <laughs> movie called Swan Song. Stars Mahershala Ali. 
Naomi Harris, Aquafina, and Glenn Close, uh, written and directed by Benjamin Cleary. Uh, basically, Mahershal Ali is dying, and he wants to. Glenn Close is a scientist. They work in this uh, it's fancy area. This is kind of uh, near future kind of uh, uh, sci-fi movie, and they have a way that they can clone Mahershal Ali and bring him back to his the clone back to his family and the fan uh, the clone will take over for him as he dies and then the family won't have to uh suffer the grief of his death um that is is looming that's the basic setup that's a um, great plot i like that plot i'm into yeah. i'm into it and uh, as you might expect the rest of it is you know him oh is the is the clone like that's not me. It'll it'll help my wife out, but it's like you know they uh, all the all the questions that might come up with that setup they deal with in the movie. Overall, this is a really good movie. Uh, it's got a this is definitely a sci-fi movie, but it's more ex machina sci-fi than say like Blade Runner sci-fi. You know, nothing wrong with Blade Runner, but it's it's the kind of uh, sci-fi where here's a magic instrument from the future that we can do. What does it mean? So it's kind of like hard sci-fi in in that respect. This is a pretty good movie. I don't know. I'm, I think a lot of people might like this, though. It, How about you? Pretty, three and a half? I, I would go four stars on this. Um, four stars for Swan yeah. Song. It's on Apple TV Plus, directed by Benjamin Cleary. It's his, his debut film? Yeah, I believe he's done some shorts before this. Uh, okay, I, I, I didn't notice any uh, feature length, but uh, yeah, this, this is a good one. Check it out. Ending? Did it stick the landing? Um, the uh, Kind of, not really. Don't remember the ending. This, uh, this was one of those, I just enjoyed the, uh, I enjoyed the characters kind of, you know, going over the issue at hand. You okay, know, cool. going over the morality of what they're doing, uh, going over, oh, I can't, I can't let it go. The ending, I don't remember too much. I kind of remember the ending of Ex Machina, but uh, again, with Ex Machina, I like the, I like the middle of it. I, the beginning in was kind of, don't really remember it too much. So no, okay, so that's sick the landing, but I still liked it anyway. <laughs> cool. Four stars for Eric Holmes, Swan Song. Bruce, you're next. Yes. Uh, my final. I'm not going to say it again because I don't know what it is. He has it written down. Dean uh, Keats, Round Lightning. <laughs> thank you. Uh, is on Netflix. It's called Coming Home in the Dark, directed by James, James Ashcroft. This came out, I believe, this year or maybe last year. It's a New Zealand film. It was mentioned on Jack Fitzpatrick's Opus m- Movie Year review of every movie he watched that he released on YouTube. So you should go check that out on uh let's crash this parade on youtube so coming home in the dark is bleak i mean super bleak i mean like uh eden lake or possibly uh funny games bleak uh basically really quickly it starts out a family is walking in the outlands of new zealand they stop to have a picnic Two strangers walk out of the brush. One of the strangers picks up some of their food without even asking. The other stranger has a gun. Uh, This starts out as a sort of a home outside of your home invasion and becomes a kidnapping of sorts. And it just, it may or may not be random that these guys showed up uh, and you find out as it goes and it's bleak, bleak, dark, dark, uh, but very well done. So for some people, this will be interesting for others. I would say stay far, far away. This is three and a half for me. Um, I just want to mention Mandrake, who is one of the two men who walks out of there, is incredibly menacing and charismatic. He's played by Daniel Gillies. 
Daniel Gillies. Okay, very good. In this movie called, yes, I was going to say that. I was going to say another film, Coming Home in the Dark, available on Netflix. Three and a half stars for Bruce. And then running out this Dean uh, Kuntz, Dean Chicken Gumbo segment is Eric Holmes. What is your last pick? My last one for Dune Keen Surround Lightning is a. a uh, movie called The Empty Man. And I, I was looking for a movie, and Andrew Martin said, have you seen Empty Man? I said, no, I'm putting it on right now. Uh, this movie is written and directed by David Pryor, based on the Boom Studios graphic novel by Colin, Colin, Colin Bunn. Um, uh, uh, James Badgedale. Th- this is a hard movie to describe. This is basically a uh, – uh, I'll just read. On the trail of a missing girl and ex-cop comes across a secretive group attempting to summon a terrifying supernatural entity. Um, first of Dude, all, you had little- me, at, you had me at James Badgedale. I had no, I, I was clueless. James Badgedale is a lead actor along with Marin Ireland. What? Yeah. I'm all about this movie, dude. Right. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. it's, it's a uh, six, it's not quite 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, <laughs> but 6.2, which is close enough. Close enough. Um, this movie, like I, I knew that this movie existed, but I was like, eh, it looks like like something stupid, like the the what, what was it, the something man, the Eraser Man, or whatever. I I, I can't. Oh, remember. The, the Slender Man. You're thinking the Slender Man or something? Uh, not the sl- the Bye Bye Man, maybe. Oh yeah, I, it, it seemed <laughs> like one of those movies, and. Yeah. Oddly enough, it kind of is, but this is, this feels like a, a, one of those type of movies. And then Andrew Kevin Walker, like, looked at the script and said, I can fix this for you if you want. And they said, okay. And he's like, all right, cool. Did it, did one quick pass for free because he's cool like that. And then handed him the script and like, we're going to make this movie. Um, David Pryor, I, uh, looked up his, uh, IMDb, he's mostly known for doing the behind the scenes of Bad Boys, behind the scenes of Zodiac, behind the scenes of Benjamin Button. Be, you know, he does a bunch of behind the scenes video. I believe this is his first feature length video. Um, and it, it's kind of, uh, uh, I know what you did last summer type movie, uh, but it gets really weird towards the end and really weird in a good way. It, this movie really surprised me. I, I liked this a lot more than I ever thought I would. And it's got a 20-minute cold open, and I think to the movie's detriment, that 20-minute cold open is probably one of the best, like one of the best cold opens I've seen in a while. And when yeah. you start a when you start a movie at that high of a level, <laughs> and then you even just dip a little bit, it kind of hurts it a little bit. But then it picks up again at the end where it just goes fucking balls out bonkers. And this movie's pretty good. I I would give this a shot. Um, if maybe you've heard of it and it, it looks stupid, maybe you'll still think it's stupid, but I still think you should give it a shot. And if nothing else, Andrew Martin recommended it. So if you hate it, you can blame him. <laughs> what did you see? This was this, a, was this on Disney Plus? Uh, I HBO think Max, I saw right? this on HBO Max. HBO Max. Said, yeah. Okay. The Empty Man, James Badgedale, Marin Ireland. What did you say? Four stars on this? Three stars? Three and a half? I would give this like three and a half with room to grow. I think if I saw this more, half, I'd, I'd like it more. But uh, it, at the moment, it's three and a half, but this could get up to four stars pretty easily, I think. Bruce, what did you give this movie? What, what would you give this movie from your recollection? I can't remember if I gave it three and a half or four, but I was I was somewhere in that range, I believe. Okay. And what he said is exactly right. That first opening sequence is almost a short film of its own. I think this is one of those movies on a rewatch, you forgive all of the failings of the middle of the movie because you kind of know where it's going and you don't let it bother you as much. But I think the first time you watch it, that middle part, 
seems like it's meandering. You don't know what the point of it is. So I think it has to wrap you, wrap you up in the final part to kind of suck you back in. But this is a very unusual movie, and I think it goes way above and beyond what you might think when you see it from the front. So. Mm. I might actually, I'm thinking, James, you know, with the actors involved and the premise, I might actually really, really love this movie. I like that 20 minute cold open. You're mentioning Eric Holmes. Speaking of mentions, got to give a little bit of love and respect and uh, just overall thank you to Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class, who actually suggested that we switch over our uh, podcasting platform. This has nothing to do with you guys, listeners, but I'm actually uh, changing up our, our, and I'm also changing up with cinematics. I'm actually using this new platform called Buzzsprout. I'm really liking how the media player looks, but Peter Beta and the crew over at Middle Class Film Class use Buzzsprout. This is not, this is not a sponsorship of Buzzsprout. I'm trying it right now. It's really interesting. I was previously on a other uh, platform the last couple of years, and I'm really excited to see how far we can grow, find your film and cinematics within this new platform. Thank you, Peter Beta of Middle Class Film Class. And the reason why I'm mentioning Mr. Beta is because around this time, Bruce, what does Pete do for us every single week? Drops that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, and we're back with our Kuntz Dean, Dean Kuntz Wallet Watch Brigadoon segment. What is what is it? It is my turn every single month we do for the Dean Kuntz Wallet Watch. We One of us picks a movie that all of us have to watch. By the way, there's a movie that Bruce sent me and Eric sent Bruce months ago called Rain. It's in my cabinet. Uh, I've been waiting six <laughs> months to, write, to, to watch it, and uh, I, I forgot. And also, by the way, our Sydney Lumet episode where we did a, a, a spoiler episode on Night Falls on Manhattan, I lost it. By the way, a little confession to Eric and Bruce. I'm sorry. We we did a full hour on explaining the Night Falls on Manhattan, a spoilerific episode. I tried to find it about a couple months ago. Oh, that, that never got that never got that, put out. That never got put out. That never got. I just well, I didn't I, even I'm, notice. I, uh, yeah, I'm, you're noticing now, folks. Yeah. This is the, we're I, I, I will say I yeah. I do remember Rain, and yes. like it, as bad as my brain is, that movie still stuck with me. And okay, cool. If you can find it. I, I I would recommend checking it out. It's it's kind of tough to watch. Both it, you know it's kind of a little indie porn, but it's also got some uh, it's also got some um, uh, bits in the movie that make it kind of tough to watch. But if you find it, just pick it up because uh, okay. it's very it's very very difficult to find. Eventually, I am going to see it, and eventually we are going to maybe one of these wallet watch days we are going to review Rain. But we're not doing that. We're not doing Rain right now. What we're doing is this movie called Mulholland Falls. As of this recording, it's available to stream on Amazon Prime Video. It's been around for quite a bit. The reason why I said Mulholland Falls was I love film noir, and I remember years ago watching Mulholland Falls and being absolutely disappointed with this movie. And I, I thought to myself, you know, I really love the screenplay, and maybe the years have been kind to me, and maybe this year, the years have been kind to this movie. This 1996 movie might, might, might work. Suddenly, it's right now currently on IMDb, six point three out of ten. Stars Nick Nolte, and it centers on him. He's he's a cop. He's a leader of a, a gang, sort of like a gangster squad of, of dudes or cops who are in nineteen fifties are LAPD members, and they're all tough guys, and they have a, a way with the law. And these tough guys are Nolte. There's Charles Palminteri. Who else is in it? There's uh, uh, Chris Penn, and there's some, one other person who I can't remember. Who's the other person who's the, there's Chris Penn, there's Nick Nolte and Chaz. And let me look at the, oh, and uh, 
Baldwin, right? Isn't Baldwin the other guy? No, not no. Baldwin plays a oh, Michael Madsen is the is the last member of this LAPD group. And what happens is you just see them being tough guys around LA. There's a murder that happens. There's this beautiful woman played by Jennifer Connelly who's murdered out somewhere in the desert. This movie has something to do with maybe the uh, nuclear testing sites, the atomic bomb. Who knows? John Malkovich might be a scientist engineer who might be part of this whole operation, this kind of Manhattan Projecty kind of conspiracy situation that's going on and that's what it is it's a mix of film noir and a little a little bit of conspiracy nuclear conspiracy weird mix interesting mix i didn't like it the first time but who knows maybe i might like it the second time bruce did you like this movie at all was i right that it was a disappointment uh well i mean i didn't have a lot of expectations so i didn't disappoint or surprisingly love i actually kind of right in the middle on this movie um this is a movie that uh, really – I feel like this movie must have been shooting for awards or something because, boy, this is packed with recognizable faces from the era. I mean, this is full of stars and up-and-coming stars and pretty well-known people at the time. That being said, this movie also really, 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 really wants to be Chinatown, and it's not Chinatown. It's not close to that level. It's a good comparison, Bruce. A good comparison. Um, it's not. It's not Chinatown, but few movies are. Problem. The problem with this. Okay, here's my biggest problem with this movie. Other than it's yeah, only okay. Um, with Chinatown and with a lot of noirs, I mean, especially with Chinatown, which is trying to be, you've got the main character. Well, first of all, it's Jack Nicholson. That's that's a plus. Uh, <laughs> Nick Nolte got eleven, but he's not Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Um, but Jack Nicholson's character in Chinatown is kind of the dupe. He doesn't, he's, he's in over his head. He doesn't know what's going on. And that's part of it. You're kind of, he's kind of the proxy for us. You think you know what's going on, but as you go on, he's getting torn and, you know, battered around this crazy story and this whole MacGuffin. And then you find out what the movie's really about. This movie is kind of like, you've got a main character who's, and his whole crew, which in a lot of ways are villains. And he doesn't ever stop really being a villain. And then he has other villains. And then it's a bunch of villains. And the MacGuffin story that you have to kind of pull the whole mystery together doesn't really end up telling us anything about these characters, I think. I don't think anything comes about out of these characters. There's no journey here, to, or there's no exploration of the world, especially, either, other than to say, like, well, this is what happened. And there's some things that are kind of funny to me, too. Like, there's a scene where you first find her body, and they lift up her arm, and it's, like, <laughs> rubber. <laughs> and it's supposed to be, like, gross. And it's just... Hilarious. Uh, this is mediocre to me. Two and a half stars. Two and a half stars for Bruce. I end up liking it the second time. I just had a good time with this. First time I had all these expectations. It's not Chinatown. It's not yeah. LA Confidential, but it was a still, it was still a nice mixture. I love to, see, I, I always love to see John Malkovich chew the scenery. Very fun. And Nolte, he's no Jake Giddis, Jack Nicholson, but he's still fine. My only little complaint, though, Melanie Griffith is very good as the wife, of, as Nick Nolte's wife in this movie. She is underutilized. But overall, as far as a noir experience, disappointing in parts for the first time for me. But ultimately, I actually forgot all that disappointment the second time. And I had a better time second time viewing. Actually, this is a recommend for me. This is a four-star film for Mulholland Falls. Eric Holmes, final vote for you. See, that's federal property. This is this is L.A. <laughs> this is my town. You're out here. You're a trespasser. Out here, I can pick you up, burn your house, fuck your wife, and kill your dog. And the only thing that'll protect you is if I can find you. 
and I already found you. I fucking love this movie. God very damn, good. this movie very, so this very movie. good. Nick Nolte impression. Very good. On that. This yeah. movie is uh, kind of. I I didn't really compare it to Chinatown, but Bruce is not wrong. But I hate Chinatown, and I fucking love this one. <laughs> to so, me, I love it. I love you, Eric. I love to, that. To me, love this that. Is, to me, this is the good version of Chinatown. Um, uh, <laughs> my 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 brain is currently melting right now just at that comment, and I'm so glad that you're saying that because it's great to have different opinions. And <laughs> I wish I had a couple of Stella Artois right now because I would be downing that downing it immediately right after that. I comment. mean, maybe I might have had a couple, you know, so, so, <laughs> and it's affecting my brain. Okay, whatever, Reggie. I'm I'm just telling you, this movie's freaking cool, and it's written by the guy who wrote Rush. From 1991, the Good Rush. We already mentioned this on the uh, on the cinematics. This is, um, I I think where I like this better than Chinatown is kind of uh, kind of uh, when we're talking about clean. Clean gets ridiculous, uh, but it tries to act a little self important. I think this one embraces ridiculousness enough. And when it did try to get like a little self important, I wasn't taking it seriously well, like at all. Look, and so you know, I I just had a lot of fun with this one. Well, you know, Eric, you have a good point there. Okay, I'll give you an example. Chaz Palminteri is is basically the right the partner of Nick Nolte. They're both cops, and he's the, he's a partner. He's a second banana. And when I first saw this movie, and I don't know if you agree with me that, on this, Bruce, I was thinking, what the heck is Chaz Palminteri? doing what is this character this empty this this airheaded character i remember just being disappointed by chaz palmentary's performance but then second time around years he's later, the only character i liked i ended up liking him <laughs> I, I liked him because he was so just out there so nick was nolte so, was just drunk the whole time i think wow <laughs> that wasn't no, but, his character no but <laughs> exactly eric i want to i'm more of a method actor bruce just so. <laughs> <laughs> very good Eric, I just want to explore that very, uh, just a very a little bit more. So you just ended up because you mentioned Pete Dexter, the writer behind this. Okay, he's a screenwriter, and he, he's a very interesting. I, I'm looking at Rush. He did Wild Bill, which is obviously directed by one of our heroes, Walter Hill. You know, he did again. He, he did The Paperboy, which I I've seen parts of Lee Daniels's The Paperboy, but that's still an interesting. Whether you love it or not, that's an interesting movie. So, so you like. The writing of this movie. What else did you like about Mulholland Fall? Just the overall, the way, um, the execution of the the actors, or well, let, let's let's not forget that Jennifer Connelly's in this. Michael Madsen, Chris Penn, Treat Williams, Daniel Baldwin, uh, Andrew McCarthy was in it. John Malkovich, Kyle Chandler. <laughs> okay. Andrew McCarthy okay. was so terrible. Andrew McCarthy. Okay, let's okay look. Andrew he was McCarthy. So terrible. No, Andrew Andrew McCarthy. He's playing a sleazy photographer friend of Jennifer Connelly's character. Can I put my Andrew McCarthy defense here? He was supposed to play no. that kind of guy. Yeah. Eric? No. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm oh. kind of. I'm a little. I'm. I, I see you, Bruce. I'm leaning a little more Greg on this, but you, you can know what me terrible movie? You, <laughs> you know what terrible movie? This is a lot like that. I actually enjoy more. What? Jade. J- you, you, oh, oh look okay well jade was a jade how dare you jade was a stone cold masterpiece this one's just kind of <laughs> silly but it's fun okay well this, look this movie is like a perfect chas palmentary movie because he does like the movies kind of like a 
Uh, fuck, was he in Hurley Burley? I feel like he was in Hurley Burley. Fuck, did you he mention was in Hurley Burley? Yeah, did you mention Jade because of Chaz Palminteri, or is that just a right out of the top of your head? Well, they're no, they're really similar. Think about it. They're both about this tape. They're both about this, you know, person that's in high power that's caught on this they're tape bo- and all this stuff. And they're this kind of neo noirs and they're this kind of convoluted plot. They both got like really uncharismatic leads. They both have Chaz Palminteri. This one just by has Chaz Palminteri in a better role. By the way, Bruce, I was about to. I was about to defend your take on Jade being a terrible movie. <laughs> they both movie. have terrible car chases. And then, and then Eric Holmes just decided to just t- take it everything out, t- 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 cut me under the knees because I was going to say, hey, Jade's a pretty good movie, but Stone Cold Masterpiece on Jade. That's amazing. Okay. In twenty in 2012, Chaz Palminteri played Joe Fine in a movie called Mighty Fine, and that sums up his career perfectly. And so when you get movies like this that kind of go a step above Mighty Fine, they become mighty impressive, and I really enjoy watching them. So you would – okay, so – that's awesome. By the way, I give Mulholland Falls two stars. Bruce, I believe you gave it two and a half stars or two stars. I you gave it two stars. Wait a second. No, I, I'm giving it four stars. Like it. I'm I'm giving it four stars. What? Did, how many stars did you did you give it? Any stars? I have yet? two and a half. I'm right in the middle. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's just it's kind of a meandering mess. To a meandering mess. Well, this is not a meandering mess for you, Eric Holmes. What is your rating on Mulholland Falls? I will give this one four and a half. I love this movie. That's and th- th- this very is cool. this is one of those movies that like I wish I would, I, I wish I would have seen a long time ago because th- this is a movie I would have watched like over and over and over again to where I just like like quote it all the time. Um, yeah, I might have watched the title sequence over and over and over again, maybe. Maybe. Uh, um, I, I will say, I will say, okay. if you're listening to this, just know you're, you're probably going to hate this. You might not like this movie, but I do. So, that, well, look, I never, I never fashioned you as a film noir fan. Was that, have, did that have nothing to do with it, Eric? You just, you just, no, like it's, it's, it's not so much the noir. It's, it's, the, this movie just has a, a, it's a real specific thing. Kind of like a, um, Against All Odds, yeah. that uh, Jeff Bridges movie. Yeah, it, it feels kind of like that to me. Where there's just yeah. some that there's a specific thing in there that I really like, and this does that, Very but good. it's a little sillier, which makes it even better. You know what would have made it? You know what would have made this movie great, though. I know you think it's great already, but you know what would have oh. made this movie great? Yeah. Pemzam. Well, that too. <laughs> um, Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma. Yes. Made of this course. Movie great. Of course. Okay. Okay, okay, don't panic to me, Bruce. Okay, I know. Yes, Brian De Palma would make any every single movie because the, the amazing. camp, the camp, and the 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 style level that that would have made this actually interesting would have been something like Brian De Palma. I, so. I think I think I just caught this movie on a level that it didn't attempt, <laughs> but that's what I caught it on anyway, and I just fell in love with it. That is very yeah. cool. I'm so glad that you love Mulholland Falls. I really like it as well. I ended up being yeah, I. In fairness, I, I I think a lot of people will go into Bruce's camp regarding their feelings for Mulholland Falls. But again, I gave it yeah, I gave it four Bruce. stars. Eric Holmes four and a half stars. Bruce Perky two and a half stars for Mulholland Falls. Again, the movie is a 1996 film noir headlined by Nick Nolte and Jennifer Connelly. Before we go, Bruce, you're gonna find out what's in the box. What's in the bleeping box? Yes, yes, I am. It's oh, been a hell, while. Bruce, what's it's in the goddamn while. box already? <laughs> Very good with the Nolte. Uh, Forty-two. Forty-two. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying 42. There's a reason. Something. 42, yeah. that's, that's a alcohol blot, blood. Co- fuck it. God right. damn it, Bruce. What's in the box? Oh, my God. This is a really weird <laughs> chance. This is a really weird chance. 
Um, I'm going to be watching A Separation by Asghar Farhadi from 2011. Oh, Asghar Farhadi. Very, very good. In fact, Bruce has said this is actually A Hero was the first film from Asghar Farhadi that he has seen. And now, thankfully, he's going to see A Separation, which is considered one of his uh, most critically acclaimed works, if not his best film. Uh, Who knows? Maybe I might join him on A Separation. Do you remember that movie a little bit, Eric? Have you seen it yet? I have not seen it. I'm going to look up where it's streaming right now. Okay, very cool. Who knows? Maybe next week all of us will get in on a review of A Separation directed again by Asghar Farhadi. But right now in the present, if you want to see his recent movie, A Hero, it's streaming, I guess, in perpetuity on Amazon Prime Video. That is it. That is our show. Before we go, any final thoughts, Eric Holmes? It uh, looks like you can stream it on Amazon, Voodoo, Apple TV. Oh. Well, you can rent Sweet. it on those. Um, oh. Yes, uh, Andrew Martin would like you to follow him on Instagram. I don't have the Instagram link because I don't go on Instagram, and I'm too old and out of touch to know how that works, but he's a good guy, and you should follow him. And uh, Again, yeah, you follow Andrew Martin on, on Instagram if you want to find out what his Instagram handle is. Actually, yeah, got- just, follow, just listen to Andrew watches movies. Maybe you can listen to his podcast yeah. on there. He, he'll, he'll. Uh, I think he hasn't come out with one yeah, last got, month. But he has. A he good- got. He got Facebook jailed on some trumped up charges. So on trumped I, up I, charges. I figure I would give him a shout out, and if you want to say hi to Andrew, then you should follow him on there and say hi and give him all the hugs and kisses. Well, not kisses. That might be a step too far, but mostly hugs. Okay, and that is Andrew Martin, our buddy from Andrew Watches Movies. Again, final final thoughts goes to our resident elocutioner, that is Bruce Perky. Bruce and the Infinite Two Perkies. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my final thought is to Bruce. Bruce, Bruce in the past, um, what is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? We have no answers. If you have any answers for next week, give us a ring, give us a call, send us an email. If not, uh, that's it. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening here on Find Your Film. Take care, guys. That is it. Bam. You know that I answered that in the past, right? You an- Oh, how did you answer that in the past? Because the answer is 42. Um, uh, my, my, mind blown. Mind blown, guys. This is the actual end of this podcast. All right, guys. We will see you next week or maybe in two minutes. Take care.